to this. You know what? And in the ring with Dan and Benny, hey, Brother Man, he's about the most cat. I just love him to death. I love you. Thanks for having me. Hey, you're the best. I'm telling you, brother, in the ring with Dan and Benny. Yeah. We love you. Thank Woo. you so much, Dan. Oh, yeah. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spashano, joined, as always, by the original Long Island Ice B, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Well, Dan, today I wrapped up my latest adult film, A Hard Night's Day, and I'm just hoping neither of the remaining Beatles sues me for any copyright infringement. Oh, no. Absolutely not. You know, especially, I mean, uh, you know, the famous story where Paul McCartney asked uh, Weird Al not to parody one of his songs because he was going to make it about food and Paul McCartney's vegan. So I mean, if he doesn't want meat in his music, I definitely don't think he wants meat in his videos. So A safe bet. Yeah. Awful, Benny. Awful. Thank you. <clears throat> well, you know, we always uh, we always try and, and get right into talking, right into the story, but we do kind of – we're recording this on a Tuesday. It's the 16th. Uh, we t- It kind of became a big topic on the forum. So before we get started, we do want to say, you know, for – uh, the friends and family of superstar Billy Graham are uh, our shows pulling for him and we hope for the best. I mean, we've seen Absolutely. too too many, too many greats gone too soon. So hopefully this is not one of those moments. Yes, sir. But to uh, to get to talking, Benny, we we've been looking forward to this show for a little while. You know, you booked it. You had everything set up. I want somebody who we got on the line with us. Yeah, you know, Dan, I think I'm a pretty funny guy. But unlike me, this our guest actually gets paid for his humor. Uh, now, before his comedy career, though, he had an excellent career in professional wrestling. And just like yours truly, even though he's not wearing one, he does have exquisite taste in retro bowling shirts. So I am happy to introduce the real deal, Joel Davis. Mr. Davis, welcome to Dan and Betty in the Ring. Oh, thank you, Dan and Betty in the Ring. I've been waiting to get on this show. Quick question for both of you. Uh, Betty, uh, was it true that you were named after the great late Benny Hill? Is no, that, you were named okay. not Benny Hill, not Benny Hanna, Tokyo, not Benny Bag of Donuts. Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure. I wanted to ask that right off the bat. Dan, yes. since you had an athletic background, were you named after the world champion Danny Hodge? <laughs> I was not, no. All right. Okay, I just, just wanted to get that out of the way. You he, can't squeeze gra- yeah. <laughs> he can't crush grapefruits with his bare hands or pull apart pliers. Right. Close, though, probably. Those are two greats, Benny Hill and Danny Hodge. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. But it's it's Dan and Benny in the ring. And I've been yes, looking sir. forward to being here. And thank you for the opportunity. And hello to all the viewers out there. Let's get those people in Ireland. Come on up. we got to get up to the top five, man. I love Ireland. It. You, all the countries. You're number eight, brother. Well, Ireland's your favorite. You know I mean? you got to stay Oh, up. yeah. They like us for some oh, reason. Yeah. Not the sure. luck of the Irish. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody Irish here on the screen right now. No. no. Couple, I don't, couple I, of I don't even have an Irish neighbor. A couple of old Italian boys. All Italian is. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we always start uh, same question. Great question because uh, of how different all the answers are. And, and we always love it. Um, <clears throat> so we'll start with you. Uh, when did the, the wrestling bug bite you as a fan? And part two of that, when did you decide to go from wrestling to or being a fan to being involved in wrestling? Great question. Great, great question to start off your podcast with, I believe, in my opinion. My humble opinion. Well, I, I started uh, the first first time I seen anything with professional wrestling. I was uh, very young. I, was, I think it might have been like five years old, uh, maybe six years old. And I remember seeing a midget tag team match, believe it or not. And I believe it. I know I, I don't know for sure, but I believe Skylo Low was involved in that. Maybe Billy the Kid. And um, and then I didn't see pro wrestling for a while until I was maybe about maybe eight, nine, ten years old. Those are the years I really remember the most. And that's when um, you you had uh, you know you had uh, Tony Guerrilla, of course. Uh, our prayers with superstar Billy Graham was you know uh, Bruno San Martino. Um, I remember Sabisco coming in. Of course, the Wild Samoans, um, uh, the managers, the, the, the three wise men themselves, Captain Lou Albano, Classy Freddie Blassie, and uh, also uh, the Grand Wizard of Wrestling. 
Um, and uh, so that's what that's when I really I say probably 78, 79. I really started to follow the sport. I even remember for the first time seeing the mass executioners, which was ended up being one of my trainers, Killer Kowalski. And uh, Chuck O'Connor, who became Big John Studd. John Studd I remember right, seeing, right, I, I remember seeing them on television, the mass executions. I think it was year '79. I remember saying to my mom, "I want to see them. I want to go see the mass executions." I still remember that. Um, I love the heels, you know, growing up. And uh, my mom said, "We're gonna go see them. We'll see them at the Jack Witchie's Arena, Sports Arena in Attleboro." I said, "Mom, they ain't gonna go there. We gotta go to like Boston Garden or something, you know." And uh, I never ended up getting to see them live, but I do remember a great match. When I was about maybe 70, 79, so I was about 10 years old. It was a, a Gorilla Monsoon, God rest his soul, and superstar Billy Graham, as a matter of fact. I couldn't go to that match that, that night, gentlemen, because I had severe asthma. And I was um, basically uh, not breathing well, and I was just about hospitalized. And I remember uh, my mom bringing back pictures of Billy Graham versus super, Billy Superstar Billy Graham versus Gorilla Monsoon. And it was the Boston Garden. And I remember the, uh, Graham had his towel around Monsoon's neck choking him. And uh, that was just a great memories uh, growing up, um, seeing all those all-time greats. And I have to mention another one that I actually met down the road, the Greg versus Soul, Ernie the Cat Lad. Uh, oh, yeah. These are real pros, real athletes, Dan and, and Benny, I'm sure you agree with me, um, uh, and, and everyone else in that era. Everyone in that era was really um, intriguing to me. Um, and then as I got a little older, I continued to follow the sport. Um, I always admired the sport. And um, and then it, it was 80, 86, 1986. I was a, a teenager, about 16, 17 years old. And that's when I got involved in a backyard wrestling federation. And my name was the Gentleman Joel. I was a heel with white sweatpants down the side of the sweatpants. Said the gentleman. I had the chains over my neck. Um, I was the champion at the time. It was like a, a cloth championship belt with 10. It was the TWF, the Taunton Wrestling Federation. Um, I kept that championship for the whole two years. Um, and, uh, I was a heel. I come out to bad to the bone, beat everybody up with the belt. Um, we sold tickets for $2 a ticket and, uh, people would come out and see it. This was in 86, 87, man. This is before the hotties did backyard wrestling. And then, um, in, in that, I graduated 87 and then I, 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 but I really always knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler, even at 10, 11, 12, 13, I always dreamed about it, but I had asthma so bad, um, scoliosis. I didn't have the height. I, I knew everything was against me. But I also knew that I really wanted to do it. It was a big dream of mine. As I became a teenager, I started doing a little more weight training, um, beat the asthma at like 17, 18, got in that backyard wrestling federation. Into the late 80s, I started looking around, seeing what was going on. I knew Kowalski's was up in Malden, Mass., but I hadn't been up there yet. In late 1990, I went up to Kowalski School up in Malden, and I met with superstar Richard Burns. And he was there, and Kowalski wasn't there that night. And I said to, I said to Burns, I said, my name, bye bye. I said, hey, I'd like to get in here and start training. And he looked at me. I don't know if either one of you heard of superstar Richard Burns. He's passed away. He was a great indie star. Um, he had a big match against Dr. D David Schultz. And Burns said to me, he says, listen, he says, he said it just like this. He says, listen, he says, you don't have much height. He says, let me tell you something, though. You have wide shoulders and a big ass. You should be okay. <laughs> he says, I'll let Walter know you come up. So I came up another two weeks after that. I met Walter and I started training, guys. I started training February 5th, 1991, Triple H, China, Joni Laura, Perry mm -hmm. Satin, Flying Bill Wilcox, um, Freight Train Fulton, uh, Outback Jack was stopping in, um, and, you know, and, and training with guys like with Satin, um, and, and these big names really helped me along, I think, so that's, that's my answer, <laughs> you know. Joe, I thought I read that you also trained um, somewhere in Kentucky with someone else. I did. Okay, who who is that? Refresh well, what my memory. What happened, Benny? Was uh, I, I I broke in with Kowalski, Benny. And um, what happened is breaking in with Kowalski. Um, I, I started training. Uh, I was telling you and Dan. I started training in, in ninety-one, February fifth, ninety-one. I debuted in October ninety-one with IWCCW. I worked that card with, with the Savoldis. Uh, the main event was Coco Beware the Birdman versus Kevin Sullivan. Taz was on the card. Uh, also Tommy Dreamer. Um, Kevin Sullivan, the late great Boston bad boy, Tony Rumble. Um, and I broke in. That was my debut. But after that that match there with IWCCW in Laconia, New Hampshire, October 25th, I ended up doing a little bit in New England, not much. And then I ended up traveling down south. I was calling the Louisville Gardens trying to get a hold of 
Superstar Bill Dundee. I eventually got a hold of Superstar Bill Dundee. I took a bus down to Kentucky from Massachusetts, and I met Bill Dundee, and I met his son, Jamie Ice Baby Dundee. Um, and then I, I said, hey, I said, this is what I want. And so Bill Dundee asked me, he says, hey, he says, what do you guys I'm training with Walter Kowalski. And he, you know, he was impressed with that. But I was just so hungry. I'm 21, 22. I'm like, you know, I'm like, he says, well, you're training again. And I got trained by the superstar Bill Dundee. So I've been trained by Walter Killer Kowalski and superstar Bill Dundee. I'm freaking proud to say it, man, you know, because those are two greats, you know. Absolutely. Before I ask you the next question, I did want to, because we, we mentioned superstar Billy Graham, we, uh, Evan Ginsberg, who's a good friend of the show, been on the show a couple of times. He made the comment because his dad was a cab driver in New York City, and he said there were three people on this earth that could stop the traffic in New York City. And, and I, I loved when he said this. One was Muhammad Ali. That you, Of course, you would expect that. The second one was Julie Newmar, which I don't remember, Catwoman. And uh, and then the third one was superstar Billy Graham. So, I mean, the guy, I would say, had more charisma than probably the combined rosters of uh, WWE and AEW just off the charts. So definitely our prayers are with him. But now, um, Joe, you mentioned that you did you, you liked the heels growing up. Did did any of them influence your in-ring style once you got going as a professional? Um, that's a great question, Benny. You know, I, I think, you know, I always, I always liked and, and, and watched and studied, uh, wrestled with George, the animal steel. I uh, got wrestled the animal. Um, I also was a big fan of Don, uh, Morocco, the magnificent Morocco. Um, uh, you know, and I, I, I did really like superstar. We'll bring him up again. Superstar Billy Graham. Um, Ken Patera, who you had on, on your program here as a oh, yeah. the Olympic mm-hmm. strong and Ken Patera <clears throat> too legit to quit. I mean, um, these are some these of the great top names. Legendary heels you're talking legendary. about, yeah. Patera and Graham, um, and then and then Steel. Steel was great at what he did. Um, I, I think I think Magnificent Morocco was really good. I think it might have been a little bit underranked. And also Superfly Jimmy Snuka. These are the guys that I I, I watch and I like. I don't. I mean, I think I might have kind of patented myself, Benny, a little bit after those guys. But I wanted to bring my own style in there, and um, I, I really wanted to train hard with Kowalski. And if anybody watches the footage of, especially my younger uh, days in the in the sport in the earlier 90s, I did a lot of the Kowalski maneuvers, the knee from the top rope, the bounce to come out. Um, a, lot, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, through, when I threw a forearm, I threw a forearm. Um, cause, you know, when you get trained, you know, hard school and, and old school, that's what you do. Yeah. So I would say, Benny, I, I um, all always tried to be um, a roughhouser, basically. You know, I could do I could do a little scientific, but I like to brawl. <laughs> So I, I just have to ask this. It's true, I've Danny. Heard, I see Dan's laughing, but it's true, brother. I, I've heard that Killer Kowalski was as nice a guy as you could ever want to meet. Is that true? Oh, when you're training with him in the ring, man, he bruised me up quite a bit, bro. He threw <laughs> that claw on me. I was doing. I was. I was. He was teaching. He was teaching us at class up up in the 12th floor one night to flip over and do the sunset flip. You know what I'm talking about? The opponent's outside. He comes over. Yes. He flips over. He flips over like this, and then he gets hooks. And, so, and I was getting the wrong leg every time I come up with the wrong leg. And he said, oh, son of a bitch, this leg. And he threw the freaking claw on, like, my other leg. And he squeezed. I had a freaking bruise like this on my leg. And then, you know, throw a forearm. You know, I was throwing him pretty good, but he's like, no, like this, you schmuck. And he'd whack you. And he called you a schmuck. <laughs> and you do it right. <laughs> That's, it's funny now, man. It wasn't funny then. And then, you know, and then if you did anything like, you know, out of, out of, you know, Walter would do, you know, he'd teach you straight, Benny. You know, if you if you were out of line anyway, he'd say, get in the ring with someone like Perry Satin, and Perry Satin would tune you up. Oh, man, Satin was legit. You know, I'm so blessed that I had, I had, I believe I had a great run, man. You know, and uh, I was, I was, I was known a little bit as a shooter, and, you know, and, and, and I, I ended up, you know, you know how it goes, man. You know, you sometimes you work and you work in the business and, you know, it's just like anything else. You know, it's just it's, it's like it's like Bruiser Brody. Look what happened to Bruiser Brody. I mean, he was he was, you know, he was snug, you know, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not comparing myself against Brody. God rest his soul. I mean, he was much more of a bigger name and, and, and what happened was terrible. But what I'm saying, gentlemen, is sometimes when you get a name of being a little snug and a little little, uh, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. A little, a little tight. 
A little tight, yeah. Well, it, it, I ended up getting into MMA, mixed martial arts, so, you know, um, it all goes together, you know. So. Oh, yeah, no, we'll definitely get into that, too. But um, you you talked a lot about your travels. You, you mentioned the, the cloth strap and the indies in the backyard. Once you were trained, I mean, kind of, I want to, I was hoping you could kind of walk through, like, where you started, kind of a real, kind of take our listeners through your journey, as it were. So, uh, Dan, uh, also known as Dan, the man, by the way, I heard, uh, I basically went on my own. Walter did not want me to, you know, debut yet. Walter said I wasn't ready. Okay. That's probably my first mistake. Walter wanted me to be in a mixed tag match, male, female versus male, female. Walter wanted me to do this because again, because of my height, Walter was a big man guy. He didn't, he liked yeah. guys. He always did. We know that. We always know that. So it didn't make man. So it doesn't make man. So I had that against me. So Walter says, you know, since you hype about, we're going to do, I, and I wasn't interested in working with females. I just wasn't. It's was just me. So I ended up getting a hold of Savoldi. So when I got a hold of Savoldi, that's when I met Tony Rumble, uh, Boston Bad Boy, God rest his soul. And he gave me a shot. I would the third match against Tubby Muffet. That was the IWCCW tape for Sports Channel America in uh, Laconia, New Hampshire for the Savoldis. Um, Tubby Muffet was a local. He was a big. He was like a. He was like something like a uh, a modern haystack Calhoun. Um, I was the. I played heel. He was. He was the face. Um, I got squashed in about three minutes. I got hit with the big, basically the big same thing Calhoun splash. Um, I got a lot of heat that night as a heel. People just hated me right away. I had hair almost as long as my man Ben right there, Benny, but it was black, you know. Um, and mine was too in 1993, I think. Uh, it's a few years ago. It's about as old as your profile picture on Facebook. But uh, <laughs> not quite. Not quite. But uh, I had to catch on that, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, after that, when I when I got when after I left, I left IWCCW. I left the Savoldis, and I said, you know what? Let me go. Let me see if I can go down south. I just had that idea. I always dreamed of working for the USWA, and that's why I wanted to work with Bill. And, and, you know, I ended up living with Jamie Dundee. I don't know if you know this. It's not public. Probably. Okay. So me and Jamie lived together. So Bill said, before, originally, I was going to live in the furniture store. A guy named Huda picked me up in a freaking truck. I'm Jeez. telling you, the wrestling business is crazy, guys. I remember getting down there. I took the bus down there. It took like, it seemed like three days. I don't know how long it was. I get down. I'm in the hotel and I get the call and it's, it's Bill Dundee. It's like, hey, David. I said, yeah, it's Bill Dundee. Guy named Hooters is going to pick you up. Get in the back of the truck. Don't ask any questions. He'll bring you down to the furniture store. I said, okay, Bill. Said, yeah, you come down, you'll meet me. And he said, you know what he said to me? You'll meet, you meet Superstar Bill. He said it just like that. I said, okay. And it was him. It wasn't at work, you know. So I get in. This guy, this man named Hooter comes in. I guess he was Hooter because he's, you know, Hooter and like, you know, he did coke or whatever. I don't know. He's all wired up. I get in the back of the truck. Tra- we travel from the hotel. I don't know where I'm going. I get into this. It's a furniture store. Bill Dundee owned a furniture store at the time. This year was 1991. And I went to the, the back in the office and Bill, I introduced myself to Bill. I had some glossy 8x10s. My chest was all cut up on the 8x10s because I had just worked with Lumberjack Rick Fuller not too uh, far before I, I come out there, like in between in between IWCCW and coming out and full of work for WCW. I don't know if you know who he is, a big lumberjack. And he would do those massive chops. So Bill said, he said, someone's been chopping you there, boy. I said, yeah, I had to talk a little bit. And he says, well, you, you might have to stay here in the in the, in the the furniture store. I said, I'll live here. He said, will you work here? I said, I'll work here. I said, you sell furniture? I said, I don't know, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> so then, so Jamie comes in. Jamie was all high as a kite. Hey, Dale, what's up? Who this guy? You know, Jamie Dundee's all fired up and shit. And I said, my name's Joel Davis. He says, I'm Ice Baby. And he said, well, you, 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 you in the business, man? And he says, he, who is he? And he would call his father Bill. He'd say, Bill, who is he? He said, ah, he come down from, he come down from up, up Massachusetts, and he go stay in. He said, hey, let him sleep with me over at my place. He can stay right in my place. He sleep right in my place. And that was it. Me and Jamie left. <laughs> I stayed at Jamie Dundee's place. We trained. Bill Dundee, we'd meet Bill on the weekends. Bill would train us in the ring. Um, Jamie would do a little bit of training, but Jamie wasn't around all the time. He was a big pot smoker. I mean, he was big 24-7. And what a, I mean, we had a great time down there. I mean, but uh, it was kind of crazy because there'd be crazy nights down there. I mean, you, you'd be training down there, down in Kentucky, Tennessee, 
And then all of a sudden be like, hey, you want to go down to the pond and see the big catfish? I'm like, what's going on here? And they'd, be, they'd like have you near like, the, like these, these man-made like ponds with big catfish in them. And they kind of, like Jamie Dundee, Wolfie D. Remember Wolfie D? He teamed up PG-13. Oh, yeah. He'd be down there. And they'd be like making off like they're going to push you in the pond. They, they, fuck with you. <laughs> they fuck with you a lot down there. But I kept on going down there. And, and I'm glad I did, guys, you know, because um, I had training from both, you know, both different styles. Remember, Walter Killer Kowalski and Superstar Bill Dundee were two different wrestlers. Couldn't be any different from each other. <laughs> but, both, but, but both great in their own right. And Memphis... I, you know, I grew up on Long Island, New York, so I'm, I'm a WWWF guy, a Bruno guy like you. And uh, but I mean, in the past, like 15 years or so, I've become a huge fan of Memphis wrestling. I'm just amazed at how they were able, like week after week, to sell at that Mid-South Coliseum every every Monday night for years with, the you know, basically the same guys. You know, you had Lawler, you had Dundee, yeah. and every once in a while, Jimmy Valiant would come in. But. Uh- I, yeah, you have, yeah, Jimmy Vine would come in, and I, I don't, I don't mean. Throw, I just want to tell you, tell you, Benny, and tell you, Dan, the atmosphere in those facilities were incredible. Mm-hmm. Remember Chris Champion of the New Breed? Oh yeah, yeah, he worked the same cards that I was on. I mean, he bring in the big bowl constrictor. I remember being in the locker room one night, I had my arm on it, started moving around. I didn't know it was a bowl constrictor there. Um, yeah, crazy. He worked a cage match with Bill Dundee. No, Dan, I'm serious. Crazy shit. <laughs> the midget stole the cast. The midget stole the cast blocks down there. I worked with Deal Man, who who worked in uh, it was down there uh, Mountain Wrestling Association. Now listen to this. I was so freaking pumped up. I, I found out about this guy's you know gentleman, Deal Man, who I worked for in down south, who I worked for as an like undercard guy, but I worked for him. Do you know who debuted with Deal Man? Hillbilly Jim. And I heard him Jim say Martin. it on his uh, yeah on his uh, Hall of Fame induction. So that was pretty cool. The South, the fans love pro wrestling i mean they would chase us all, all the a lot of ring rats too they I mean sometimes they'd be chasing us and you know the tits be bouncing i'm like this is fucking awesome man i said to jamie i said this is great he said yeah he said don't so you he said, they like the wrestlers out here i was like that's great i mean i like them <laughs> dan and i had that same problem with the rats they were usually like when we're done with the podcast there were several of them waiting outside well, our homes guys i mean you know what i mean and, and a lot of times you're not your face ain't showing so they think you're really even better looking probably right, right? i go yeah, under the hood so um you, know what? Well, you, <laughs> you were actually referred to us by a, a very good friend of, of the show big ron shaw That's how right. do you know ron uh before i tell you how i know ron i'd like to say this is a friend of Ron's that I have here right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, he so was on our show three times. He did not bring that on, on, on the show. You know what I love about you guys? You two are, you two are like so good as co-hosts because... Dan, like, just lets it go. He fucking laughs. He don't give a shit. And Ben is trying to keep a straight face the whole fucking time. And then, I'm trying to think about a witty comeback. But what do you think of that guy? So me and Ron know that guy. I met what, Ron. What's, what's that? What is the name of that thing? It's got to have a name. Right? I don't know. Creepy? I mean. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that works. <laughs> this 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 show is audio only, so our our fans are gonna miss. But that oh, shit. I, I wish I I wish I could I could share oh, the visual shit. that we were just exposed to. It well, was, yeah, we'll have Joel send us a we'll send us a picture and we'll post it on our <laughs> podcast page. And they can hear it. You want to get a still of him? I mean, he's, he's a cute little guy. I'll have to I'll have to edit and uh, upload something. But that was crazy. <laughs> it looks so, like something that should be in a porn film. <laughs> yeah, scary ones. Show yeah. got the show got dirty and dark fast. Horrors one. Um, Big Ron Shaw, what a gentleman, what a class act. I met Ron at the IWF reunion last year in 2022, Benny. Okay. Um, he was inducted into the IWF International Wrestling Federation Hall of Fame. Ron flew in from Florida, where, he, where as you both know, where he resides. 
I was in attendance that night. It was up in the Boston, the Boston area. And um, I seen Ron. I knew who Ron was because I was a fan of his. I mean, I, I always thought he was at least a mid-card guy. I mean, if you think about Ron Shaw, his gear was always on. He loved he loved the yellow and the green. Remember? He had the yes. height. He was always in shape, right? He was a great heel. He did the mass execution under the hood. Um, he says he's a little guy in the business, but he was one of the, the, the better guys. I put him in there with guys like Astr- Jose Estrada, Johnny Rods, Baron Mikel Sakuna. I put him up, up there with S.D. Jones, those guys. You know, he wasn't an Angelo Gomez, Steve King, Fred Marzino. He wasn't down there. He wasn't and Frankie Williams. Or Frankie Williams. Yeah. Right. Um, he wasn't, like, down that low. Um, but I will say that when I met him, I, I was so pleasantly surprised what a gentleman he was. And uh, we met at the IWF reunion last year. It was last, like, September. Uh, it was September. We've stayed in contact ever since. That's how we met. And we... Um, I, I believe we've become friends. Big Ron Shaw, the man of the upsets. I mean, he, the big upset over, over, over David San Martino. I mean, he's, we, we, we have christened him the Earl of Upsets. That's his new name. Earl of Upsets. I did the hear. Earl of Upsets. Yep. I'm sure Ron likes that. So shout out he to Big it. Ron Shaw. Big Ron Shaw in sunny Florida, brother. Are you still thinking of my little got, guy? Oh no, no, it's it, it's just cracks me up. You I'm gonna know, have I'm gonna have nightmares about that thing tonight. I know. The, the I've always said, and it's something that that we've gotten a lot of compliments on over the years is how uh how we, we try not to do a straight interview. You know, we want it. We always want the show to come off like it's just three people sitting around a table having a beer. I, I'm I'm just picturing the three of us sitting at a Hooters and you pulling that thing out in the middle of the conversation. But definitely an attention getter. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you work. You, I mean, you, you obviously you worked all over. Um, I mean, you've wrestled in, according to your online biography, 15 different promotions across nine states. Um, I mean, do you have a favorite promoter? And uh, you want to talk about the good, the bad and the ugly of the different promoters you've worked for? Yeah, another great question, um, Dan. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, that's about accurate. It might be a little more than those numbers, but that's pretty much right on. Um, I, I'd say, um, you, so you want me to answer basically the, the bad and the good, the bad, the ugly? Did you get any hot dog and handshakes? You know. It was a- oh man, yeah, man. I got some. I got some real. I mean, I didn't get. I didn't get fucked too bad on paydays, though. To be honest with you. Um, most guys paid me what they said they'd pay me, but I mean, there was some, there were a lot of $15 nights, a lot of $15 nights. They were $50 nights, which weren't too bad. And then there were some bigger nights. I mean, I know I worked for one, one of the, one of the promoters that I enjoyed working for. And I think you both get a kick out of this and you both would enjoy this quick story, especially you, Benny, uh, since you are from New York, uh, Dan, are you from New York? No. Okay. Close to New York. No, I, I mean I'm Italian, so I was I think I'm was legally obligated to have been born in New Jersey, but Okay. That's right. All right. So but you both might remember the name uh Bobby Lombardi. He run the long he ran the Long Island Wrestling Federation. He had uh, Primo Canary the third, the big giant, um cousin Luke from the Hillbilly from the, the cousin okay. Luke who worked at Hillbilly. Yeah. Um Tony DeVito, uh the late the late Mike Bell. He worked as Mr. Grimm. Do you know who these guys are? Yeah, a couple uh, of those names sound familiar. Yeah, a couple of those names. Well, Bobby Lombardi ran in Long Island, New York, and he worked. Uh, he, he ran out of Long Island, and I worked a show for him in Queens, New York, at the Martin. Uh, uh, it was a, it was a middle school out in Queens, New York. Um, who's the man that talks about freedom and stuff? Martin Luther King. Yes. Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. High School. And that was one of my favorite promotions to work for because I was getting $250 a night. I'd stay at a hotel. It wasn't the best hotel in the world. I'll say that much. But, I mean, it was like there was a red light for some reason in the window when you went in. It looked like it was a red light district area. Um, but the hotel was part of the deal, so I took it. Um, and $250 a night. And that was Bobby Lombardi. Of course, I worked for Boston Bad Boy Tony Rumble quite a bit. Um, you know, and uh, – you know that he he was he, he was good to work for, um, and then um, I would say uh, another favorite promoter I worked for was Gary Lajevin out in Green Mountain Wrestling in Newport, Vermont. Another good, another good promoter who paid what he said he would pay. Um, I, I worked down there. I worked the Real Deal Danger Zone, something like an off off skid of the Piper's Pit. 
I had my bodyguard was Bull Montana, um, who worked as Booter. And I don't know if you remember Bull Montana. He wrestled for a lot of years, aside with Tony Rumble. And um, Kevin Sullivan worked with Kevin Sullivan. Um, so Bull Montana and I did a lot of gigs up there in uh, Newport, Vermont. Gary Leiserman, I liked working for him. I liked working for Rumble. I liked working for Lombardi. Um, I liked working for Rick Martellio, uh, the late late Rick Martellio, who worked as Big City Mike. You remember him? He was Hill, Hillbilly Mike at the old IWCCW. Big Hillbilly, I don't know if you remember him. Um, he worked a lot with Big John Callahan. Um, and, the, and the late great referee, tell me if you gentlemen know this name. Jack Savage, Whiskey Jack Savage. You yeah. must know. Him. He was a WWF referee, short guy with kind of like a like Benny haircut, like your haircut. But he was a heavy set guy, loved whiskey. He's in. He's on the WWF card with, with Iron Sheik putting the camel clutch on somebody. One of the jobs. Okay. And, and and that's Jack Savage, like this with the count. So he'd work for Rick Montelio. So yeah, those were all the real good ones. And then you know, in the you know, and bad ones. I mean. I, mean, I don't want to just throw people out there, but you know, there's some bad ones, gentlemen. You know what I'm saying? It just uh, they sucked. You know, what I mean, they just they really sucked. Um, but yeah, that's you know, I, I mean, I just I like the opportunity. Every opportunity I had, you know, um, just to get my experience and to move up. You know, I started I started as a, a face. Actually, I started as a heel, and I turned face later in my career. So let's go from promoters to wrestling because you you faced enough legendary wrestlers to fill a wing in the hall of fame so t- tell our listeners some of the the folks you worked with and uh did you have a a, a favorite opponent yeah yeah I, I, yeah i was I, I had the opportunity and i was blessed benny and dan to be able to work with some big names um one name that i never got to work with and i i was scheduled to work with was jim the anvil Nighthawk. And he didn't show uh, the late great uh, Jim. He didn't show at that show for some reason. I didn't get a chance to work. But the, some of the names that I worked with were King Kong Bundy, rest in peace. Jimmy Superfly Snooker, rest in peace. The Public Enemy Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock, both rest in peace. Great wrestlers, great workers, and great guys. I got to party with those guys. Love those guys. Loved all these guys really. Um, Perry Satin and John Cronus, the Eliminators. Okay. okay. Yeah, great team. John Cronus, rest in peace. Uh, Perry Satin, amazing athlete. Um, DC Drake, Mad Dog, DC Drake. Um, former guest. Former guest. I imagine he'd be on um, uh, PJ Walker. You know, just incredible. Okay. Be just incredible. Yeah. So these are some of the names that I, some of the bigger names that that you you know. Um, favorite opponent of all time. Is that what you, that's the question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know who it is? The Superfly, Jimmy Snucker. Wow. Yeah, he's the best, man. He was incredible. To look across the ring, you got to remember, I, I seen this guy when I was a kid, you know what I mean? I remember him coming in when he was managed by Albano. I remember when he was on Buddy Rogers' corner, and he's talked for the first time. Do you remember that? <laughs> that right? was one of the most dramatic moments in the history of wrestling when, when – uh, you know, when when Buddy said, you, you, Jimmy, you have no money. And uh, that's when he asked Jimmy, to, to, he asked Buddy to be his manager. And, 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 and but he was in Buddy Rogers' corner, right? Yeah. Right, Dan? Right, Dan? Yep. Jimmy Snooker was in Buddy Rogers' corner, the Rogers' corner. Snooker was a heel, hated heel, all the way up to this time. And apparently being abused by Captain Lou Albano. I got a story about Albano I got to share before we go. And... And then he said to he looked over at Buddy Rogers and says, Will you be my manager? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I don't even know if he said buddy, did he? I I I'm not sure. All right, Will you be my manager? Yeah, buddy. and then Buddy Buddy Will hugged him be? and he and he couldn't couldn't give him an answer. They had to milk out yeah, the storyline yeah, yeah. a little bit, will but be, right. Buddy, will you be my manager? Jimmy, I can't answer that right now. But I consider it, Jimmy. And he shook hand, they went to a commercial break. But I tell you what, man, that, that crowd popped big time. I mean, you had every person in that that place was 100% into that. Well, that's what I'm saying. And now and now a guy like me out of Massachusetts, you know, coming in out of Kowalski's trains with Dundee. You know what I'm saying, Dan? Now I mm-hmm. come in. Right, Benny? I come in and I'm working with the Superfly and just everything was just so smooth with him. And he was so over. All he had to go, do, all Jimmy did, he got in the ring and he went like this. Woo, woo, woo. 
and the people were popping, man. They were, they're popping more than these people doing flips these days and shit. And oh, I was, yeah. like, and I, and I was like, I hope you didn't come here to see Snooker win because he's not gonna win. And I was, they were, those people wanted to kill me that night. That's good, man. You did <laughs> your mean, job well. Even right. the freaking security guys wanted to kill me. They were flipping me <laughs> off. Oh, jeez. Damn, I was like, I gotta get. And it was revered. That's a bad neighborhood. They wanted me dead. And when he hit me with that leak, they popped. They popped. Boom. Oh, he hit me with that leak, man. The super fly. But can I share that Albano story quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. It. NWA New England, guys. National Wrestling Alliance New England. It's when Rumble takes over the NWA, when NWA territories. Remember that? In the late 90s? Goes around. Now, I'm, I'm working NWA. I, I was CWA light heavyweight champion. I was NWA light heavyweight champion. At the time, I didn't have the strap. They had me. I was I was face. I was doing, you know, I worked a six-man tag. It was myself, uh, extreme strongman Gino Martino and Trooper Gilmore on one side. The other side was tru- uh, the uh, Curtis Slam Dog, uh, Jay Gillette, and Ron Zombie. Um, uh, Zombie, I believe, is still working now. They were the heels. Zombie. Slam Dog and Gillette, Jay Gillette, all pretty big guys, heels, long hair, you know, that that gig. Myself as a, as a baby face, you know, just coming off the light heavyweight, you know, run. Gino Martino, big, big guy, but face kind of like, a, um, uh, what can I compare him to? Like uh, Ivan Putski type. And then our partner was Trooper Gilmore. He, he was kind of like, a, um. What's the jobber from uh, WCW, the, the cop? Colonel, remember the jobber he had in these started training, guys? I know you know him. Oh, you're talking about um, Buddy uh, Lee Parker. Thank Buddy you. Lee yeah, Parker. Colonel Parker. Kind of like Parker yeah. So now we're working NWA television, Ben, Ben and uh, uh, Benny and uh, Dan. We're working NWA television, right? Now Rumble says, okay, this is what's going to happen. Heels are over, managed by Cornette, faces managed by Albano. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, this is cool, man. Albano's with us. Cause I always loved Albano, you know? And, uh, so, so Cornette goes out with the heels. He's waving the racket. People like this is about a thousand people in the building. It's hot. You know, we're getting ready. I, I'm, I'm all like getting ready. Well, getting ready. Albano's like standing like behind me. Martino's in front of me. Gilmore's in the front. Our music hits. We go out. Here comes Albano. Albano comes out like this. The music starts playing, and then I look. I'm looking at the corner of my eye. Albano takes a right, goes back in the locker, in the locker room, in the restroom. My Gino says, "Where's Albano?" I said, "I don't know where the fuck he is. He's not here." They've managed by Captain Lou Albano. Albano, he never came out. He went back in the locker room. I don't know when had a drink or something. But he I left his flask back there, probably. And we and we lost. I. Jim, Jim Cornette hit me with a tennis rack and I got power bombed. <laughs> At Albano, we probably wouldn't have, that wouldn't happen, man. Yeah. You know, I think it, that's it's, a good story. I think that's a good story because Albano, story, that's, a shoot, that's a shoot, Benny. <laughs> Albano was told to go out with us as a manager. He's probably like, fuck this, those guys are jobbing. <laughs> that's funny. Hey. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, Cornette, Cornette gave him 50 bucks, told him to come back later. Probably. Cornette, when Cornette swings that racket, he swings it, man. I took the racket. Oh, yeah. Woo! I've heard that. Yep. Yep. He hit me good with it, Benny. You know, it's it's funny. You uh, you said your your favorite opponent was Jimmy Snuka. I mean, obviously, we have had we did a two-part interview with Metal Maniac. Uh, oh, and so, of course, he's going to say that. But we've had several people through the years on the show who have all said their their favorite. He's probably come up half a dozen times Absolutely. that their favorite opponent was Jimmy Snuka. He's just smooth, man. He's smooth, man. He's smooth. Yep. He's light. He's light. He was, he was light. He was, I mean, he, he hit you. I mean, but, you know. Right. Just it was magic. It was magic working with him. You know, I mean, because I was over as a heel at the time, you know, and he was over as a face the whole time. But in that area, you know, they, they, you know, it really, it really got over. That was like my favorite. Hey, it really was. I mean, obviously the, the nature of WrestleMania and how big some of the stars were, people forget there was a period of several years in peak golden era WWF where Jimmy Snuka was number two, the only person in the company bigger as far as reactions than he was, was Hulk Hogan. 
I mean, Jimmy Snuggle was the second biggest face that company had for several years. People kind of he kind of falls through the cracks with, you know, Savage and Mania and all this. Uh, some of the other names that came and went and people just sort of forget how how just he, over he was. That's right, man. Yeah, and, and when I talked to Ron and Ron asked me about your show three, four, five months ago, I knew a little bit about your program. I'm just saying this right now. And I, I told Ron, I said, absolutely. I said, these guys know their stuff. You guys know your stuff and you respect the business. Because we love it, too. Right? You love it, too. You love it. You love it and you respect it and you're gentlemen. Because there's no way I'm taking time and and, and, and going to post this thing out there. You know, I've been, and Benny knows. I don't know if you know, Dan. I've been plastering this shit. I've been throwing it down their throats, man. I, my, you know what I mean? He's giving, I saw, he's I saw a, your a huge uh, push. Yeah, all your social media. That was that's great stuff. That's got a lot of good publicity, and and we appreciate it. I mean, I know you've done a lot of interviews and you've been around, so the, the kind words mean a lot. Hell, Cesaro, and I and 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 you know, it really really made me have make the decision that I wanted to be the guest and I take your invitation. Was Ron said, um, and I don't know how it's going to be done, but I do. You get a, I get a thousand dollars for this show. You send a thousand. <laughs> you get Benny, the well, no, you get you get like the Italian lottery. You get uh, a dollar a week for a thousand weeks. <laughs> Benny laughed for the first time, Dan the man. Benny laughed at that one. I said, get paid a G. Listen, I know you know Ron. I know Ron. I'll take nine hundred. Call it even nine C notes. Nine of these guys right here. Nine of those guys. That's funny. Nine. Well, I know uh, Benny. Um, John Moxley, AEW star, just did a uh, Sports Illustrated interview where he said he's uh, he, he was criticized what he called uh, old ass um, effing bitter dudes with podcasts talking about how the business used to be. So you heard him. We know our stuff with him. Now I know Moxley wasn't calling us out. He wasn't talking about Dan and Benny. Well, there you go. You know, and that, and and just for the record, you know, I'm ribbing you guys. I don't I don't expect <laughs> 900. I mean, whatever you can send, I'll take. Yeah. But whatever that thing was you had earlier, Benny, I'll buy him another shirt. one. I'll take a t-shirt. Well, that one gets. Oh, oh you buy me one. That gets paid I, too. Dan really likes this guy. Oh jeez. <laughs> Listen to him though. That that could draw money. <laughs> that, that whatever that thing is, it cuts a better promo than half the wrestlers today are. Absolutely. No argument well, here. <laughs> You, you talked about your your transition, you, Joel. You said you, you know you obviously you had a good run as a heel, and, and you went babyface. And uh, so I'm curious, did you have a preference wrestling as a heel or a babyface? Um, you know, I, I ended up I ended up really liking the face, the, the working as the face towards the end of my career. I started doing some charity um, things for, for uh, um, charities, and I, I visited the handicapped kids in, in Bridgewater, Mass, and Etc. Etc. You know, Jimmy Fun and Hospice Outreach, and I really got into the fate being a babyface. I think that's really who I really am. I don't really think I'm really that heel. I think I can play the heel. Did I enjoy playing the heel, Dan? Absolutely. Um, and that was the start of my career from maybe '91 through maybe the mid '90s, '90, '91, two, three, four, five, six. Um, but then when I got when I got the strap, and I think it was '95, '96, CWA light heavyweight. Um, that was a championship that actually, uh, Surfer Ray Odyssey had, Taz had, cause that's when it started. Cause that was, that was the start of the NWA. And those, cause a lot of those guys, ICW guys worked for Rumble too. Um, so it was a, it was a prestigious strap to have. And I think being a face kind of got me, got me who I, who I wrote the real deal, Joel Davis. I was a real deal, you know, right from the beginning. I mean, I, I think I worked maybe one to two matches as Joel Davis and my name was turned into the real deal. Um, Right when I got back from the South, actually, I became the real deal. And I always use that name. I never never switched, but I did switch from heel to face. And I retired as a baby face. Baby face. So I would say, yeah, I retired as a baby So I would say probably pick the baby face, even though I really like the heel, too, man. I like taking the, rep, the tape off my wrist and choking the son of a bitch and shit when the ref wasn't looking. I like doing this. I love the chairs, hitting the chairs. I mean, I go with anybody. Anybody. I mean, I got, I've been, whatever, whatever you want to do, I, I, I did it. But to answer the question, I'd say I enjoyed being the baby face. And you sell more gimmicks as a baby face. You sell right. more pictures, buttons, mm -hmm. 
it's not the only way, but you can be, I can be who I am. You know what I mean? I go, you know what I mean? I go and do a charity event and, you know what I mean? I can just be who I am. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, Joe, you are good enough at both to be inducted into several wrestling hall of fames. Tell our listeners about that. Whew. I love you guys, man. What way you getting this information? <laughs> we do uh, our homework. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work you guys like some workers probably would, and t- tell you all this bullshit. I'm gonna tell you straight. I'm in two Hall of Fames. Two. I may be in a third one soon. I was told, but I'm in only two. I can't take credit for more than two. But the big one I'm in is the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. I was inducted with the late great Chief J Strongbow. Wow. The same year, 2011, Chief J Strongbow was inducted the same year I was, and I was inducted with J Strongbow. I was also inducted with, ready for this name? Pito Santana. Oh, mental, wow. mental champ. I, oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, geez, I'm in the class of 2000. So I was in the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame 2011, inducted with Chief J Strongbow, Tito Santana, Rick Martel, former AWA champion. Oh, yeah. And also CMU. The Wild Samoan Three, all in the same year. Nice. Yeah. Um, and that was 2011, Benny. 2010, I was inducted into the Century Wrestling Alliance Hall of Fame, and that was the organization that Tony Rumble ran. That I had my 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 biggest push, I would say, because I had two the two straps in the LA Heavyweight Championships, and I got to work with you know some big names, you know Kevin Sullivan and um, the the, um, the Eliminators were in there briefly. Um, uh, King Kong Bundy several times. I worked with King Kong Bundy under under um, CWA. Yeah. So, so those are the two Hall of Fames that I'm in. I have those hanging in my little section here over here, a little section, you know. So, yeah. Very nice. Love this. Very nice. Love the sport. Love it. I always, I always loved the sport. I always gave it my all, guys. I always did. And I'm feeling it every day, man. I got a lot of injuries, guys. My tailbone's uh-huh. been broken a couple times. I've had ribs broken four or five times. My head's been busted open. I got I've actually had all of that, too, but mine is from hookers. So. Well, you know what I'm saying? When you don't pay what you're supposed to pay, bro. You know what I'm saying? They, they get rough. I got you twice to laugh. You want to say, hey, don't make me take Oh, no. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's gonna that's gonna put us over in some foreign country somewhere, maybe Nepal that's, or something. That's I, well, hey, you you heard you heard Cornette. He said we'll uh we'll get we'll get the, the Himalayas. The, there we go. Maybe the, not the mountain, not the valley. Too many people down there. Right. So that that noise will definitely help. But um, you, before we get into your your, I mean, it's got about. 15 minutes left before we get into your second career uh you mentioned a lot of your charity work you did as a face i was i wanted you to talk a little bit because you you did say um name drop it the uh the jimmy fund uh it's an organization that goes back to the ted williams era can you talk a little bit about your your time with them yeah the jimmy fund was was great too um we we did a lot of different events las vegas nights um uh um different different events um uh, also at the uh, hot dog safari out there in East, East Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and, um, you know, it was, you give you time and you, and you, and you, you know, do meet and greet. So you work, you work the shows and the proceeds go to the Jimmy fund and hospice outreach in particular. Um, I remember doing one event in Nashville, New Hampshire. This is a God's honest truth story. And sometimes when, uh, somebody don't think I'm really a good guy, actually, I think I am a good guy because what I had done was, I took my time to go up to National New Hampshire. I was working a security gig at the time, making about $200 a week. I had about $50 left in my pocket. I took all that $50, and I actually brought some promotional photos up and um, signed them for the, 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 you know, the event for the Jimmy Fun. And, um, you know, they sold the, – I think they got $10 a picture for them to be signed and pictures, you know. And I spent the uh, pretty much the evening there, three, three, four hours with all the people meeting them and everything else. And I was pretty well known because I was working for Ringside Wrestling up in New Hampshire for uh, Bruiser Jeff Costa, who worked with Butcher Hughes, uh, God rest his soul too. Um, Jeff Costa uh, worked uh, Ringside Wrestling in Nashville, New Hampshire. So I was pretty well known up there. So they, I'm not saying people banging the door down to see real deal Joel Davis, but they did like to get a picture signed. You see what I'm saying? Um, and, and everything that we made, it was a few hundred dollars, maybe $300, $400. I gave them every dime. 
And I, I, I drove back from New Hampshire. And I did, those are things that I just did because I just think that people didn't realize these people that have, you know, that have these disabilities or, you know, they may be confined to a wheelchair. Think about this. We are so blessed, you know, and you think you're having a bad day, man. Take a look at the next guy, you know, and if I can help out in any little way, I'm going to do it. I mean, I, you know, I did the motivation speaking for about four or five years and that was fun and it was good and it made me feel good. And I like doing that. And that kind of goes with what we were just speaking about. Um, but it's not what I want to do for my whole career, but I had done a little bit with it. But what I'm saying is, is helping out a cause is a great thing, you know? Absolutely. So many, many wrestlers morph into careers after wrestling. Some like uh, Jimmy Vayan, our sponsor, became a, opened a wrestling school. Same as our first, actually our first guest on Dan and Benny in the Ring, Dominic Danucci did. And also your, your trainer, uh, Killer Kowalski. And now we had Bugsy McGraw on a couple of weeks ago. He actually became a, uh, a registered nurse, worked at the, uh, the trauma center in uh, Tampa General Hospital. Now, you followed the path of Mick Foley and got into the comedy business. How, how, what made you decide to follow that path? I always wanted to do it. Always did. Um, but my first love was pro wrestling. I mean, that's just a way to answer that. My first love was pro wrestling right away as, as, a, as a young young kid. Growing up, like I said, five years old, then getting back into eight, nine, ten years old, I always dreamed of professional wrestling. And I, when I broke in in '91, and I ran right through the '90s up into 2003, that's all I was doing. You know, my my daughter was born in 2005; she just turned 18. Um, and and when she was born, I kind of took a backseat to the pro wrestling, and I didn't really want to start anything else. But now that things are a little different in my life now. Um, I'm a little older now. I have retired from the ring. I did make a one-night comeback back in March of this year. I did one over-the-top rope battle royal for a heavyweight championship. It was a big thrill. It was my home city. I did one shot at it, and I says, that's it. I says, I did the one shot. I came back after a 10-year absence. So the pro wrestling is behind me um, as far as being active in the ring, but I do have a big plan coming up that we might be able to speak about. But the stand-up comedy, Benny and Dan, mm-hmm. is something that I always wanted to do. I'm, I'm and I'm giving it my all and I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep on going because I think the people love to hear real life hilarious stories. Um, I do the one legged whoop whoop now that I get on one leg and I give the whoop whoop. And that's basically saying to everybody, be who you are, shoot for the stars and don't give a shit what anyone else says. That you- was actually the message that Brittany Brown told me to tell you to give you a one legged whoop whoop. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> you know, you talk to her. Thanks, man. Very nice lady. Very nice lady. Former woman's champion. She had a great run herself. Brittany Brown, I love her. That, that will, will, is, is, so I brought that into the stand-up comedy, and it's becoming like a trademark. That's what I'll do when I, that's what I do before I get up onto the stage now. So, so I had that in the back of my mind, but I think the answer to your question straight out is, I think this is my time to make my move. I tried commercials back in the day. I, I tried a little bit of the modeling. I, I tried theater, but I never really stuck with it, you know. And now this is this is my life now. This is what I really want to do. Cause, because I think stand-up comedy goes back to, like, the, the old days with the circus, with the clowns, with the frowns. People, they expressed all the tough, dark days they've had. And I've had a lot of dark days, man. You'd never know, but. Because I try to keep positive, but I, I have so many stories. I have so much material that I want to bring out to the audience. And I love stand-up comedy. I always did. I always I always loved it myself. So now I'm starting to move on into the comedy world, guys. Yeah. Who's your favorite comedian, I have to ask? Um, all time. All time. Um, uh, Richard Pryor, I'd all say. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe not what you say, but that's what I say. I say Richard Pryor. Oh, he was great. No, he's mm-hmm. he's in my top three. Yeah, Richard Pryor, man. That guy was on, man. Well, I mean, you, there's a lot of you talk about the similar uh, the similarities in the style. Well, I mean, are as far as performer, I mean, you're in front of people, you're having to to play to the crowd. Call it, no pun intended, but call it in the ring. Uh, I mean, are there any other similarities between wrestling and comedy? That's a that's a really good question, Dan. Um, because there is, and it's a trip to figure out that it really is. 
like when I, I, I my first my first gig my actual first gig in stand up comedy was last November first, twenty twenty two. So I've been at about seven months now. But even that first gig and then that second gig, I was seeing more and more like um, th- there's a man with a light that'll give you the light when it's time to go home. They use the word go home. Same, yeah. go home. <laughs> right. Um, now you're over there and, and they're going over the schedule. There's a schedule with your time. Who you're before. Who you're, It's similar again. Um, it's crowd work. One thing about stand-up comedy versus pro wrestling is you need to be a baby face, man. There's no heel. And that's sometimes that's a problem with, with, with your brother here, Joel Davis, because we are brothers now as far as I'm concerned that we did this. Your brother, when I get up on the stage, I forget sometimes I got to be a face and the heel comes out a little bit. And it's tough, especially when you get hecklers. And I and believe me, I got a couple stories already about hecklers. But you so... You, you, you have to get over with the crowd, similar to pro wrestling. It's a schedule. It's to go home is the same term. Um, it's it it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of similarities. Um, stand up comedy and pro wrestling. Those are some of the, the similarities that I can think of. All right. Now Sam Kennison was a heel though, wasn't he? Kind of. Or was he a trainer? I, maybe. I wasn't really a fan of him, man. I don't remember what he did. And he just screaming shit. I don't know who he, I don't really know. He was, he was Professor like a, Turgeson in the movie Back to School. Yeah, I don't know who that guy I know that guy too good. I know the name, but no. So, Joel, real deal Joel Davis, self-promotion. That's me, time. real deal Joel Davis. What, uh, what, what, tell our listeners, I guess, number one, where they can find you on social media, and then also whatever you're working on, where you're appearing, things like that. Excellent. I really appreciate that, uh, Benny. Uh so, uh, so I have a, I have two fitness pages on Facebook, Real Deal Fitness and Conditioning, and also Friends of Real Deal Fitness and Conditioning. The main page is Real Deal Fitness and Conditioning, um, and there's, everything's going to be on there, uh, photos, upcoming events, uh, former form uh, footage from different events that I might have been involved in, reels, et cetera, et cetera. YouTube, Real Deal Joel Davis, just go on YouTube, Real Deal Joel Davis, close to 100 videos. Um, stand-up comedy gigs that I've had, um, uh, MMA information, uh, the, the MMA mixed martial arts I've been involved in, boxing, uh, on-the-street interviews where I t- talk to random people off the street, call them over, and I talk to them about fitness and condition. They make up a bunch of bullshit stories. Uh, one guy said he does pull-ups, he does push-ups, but he, when he was walking across the, the parking lot, he almost blew up. He was like, you got oh, <laughs> shit. And he did a joke. I mean, come on, man. I mean, come on. You can't bullshit a bullshit. Oh, wait a minute. The only me... fitness was fitness yeah. food in his exactly. mouth, right? right? Exactly. So, but but the YouTube channel, Ben, has a lot of different stuff on there that the viewers can check out. Um, if you go Real Deal Joel Davis, check it out. I've been on the Jerry Springer show twice in Chicago um, as a guest. That was crazy, crazy, crazy time out in Chicago on the Jerry Springer show. Motivational speaking is also on the YouTube. If you search Real Deal Joel Davis on there, um, I mentioned the two fitness pages. Um, I have uh, stand-up comedy uh, gigs coming up, one in mid-June next month, which is tentative on the date. Also, on June 24th, I'm returning to the Boomerangs Roadhouse on West Warwick, Rhode Island. Boomerangs Roadhouse, no-nonsense restaurante and and, and, uh, bar over there. It's going to be my fourth time there. I've done an open mic and two paid gigs there. I can't wait to get back. Um, Last time I was there, kind of a funny story. Um, the woot woot is a very popular, no matter what state or wherever I am, the one-legged woot woot, we usually get the woot woot, we get a cheer. We had something a little different this last time at Boomerangs. Um, we got the woot woot, and you can hear it on the audio. It's a woot woot, and then in the back you hear some a woman totally plastered out of her mind, drunk. I give a woot woot, and you hear, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> So, you know, but that's, you know, but I just didn't acknowledge that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mentioned something um, about um, a cock ring and uh, she, oh, she the same woman yells out, the same woman, because the same drunken voice, of course we know what a cock ring is. She's fucking yelling. I mean, come on. She probably knows really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you get hecklers and you get, you know, and, and no, but I try to change up my, um, 
my gig every time I get on there. So so I have those couple dates coming up in June, stand-up comedy. But I'm going to tell you both right now, um, and it hasn't come out yet on social media or any public yet. Um, I have been working on this for the last couple weeks. I'm going back into promoting. Uh, I'm working on some promoting, gentlemen. Yeah. I was a promoter back in the day. I promoted um, big events, sports events with New England Patriots, New York Yankees. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Uh, Boston Red Sox. I had Stephen Kostelski from the uh, Stephen Kostelski, the kicker from the Patriots. I had Dustin Pedroia from the Red Sox. Uh, Hanley Ramirez before he went over to the Marlins. Um, um, some all-time greats like Rico Petroselli, George Boomer Scott, Bill wow. Monquette. Th- those yeah. are names. Those are big names. Johnny yeah. Pest. They all work. Bill Monquette. Bill Marbuquette, who pitched for the Yankees, too. He I was, saw yeah. my first game at Yankee Stadium in 1964, believe it or not. Yankees versus Boston Red Sox, and he was the pitcher for the Red Sox. Wow. Yeah. And he ended up going over to the Yankees. He, he, oh, man, he worked for me two or three times. I'll tell you, he was he was good to work with, but as the time would go, because he was signing autographs, he would give me, how many more fucking sign? I'm like, Bill, take it easy, bro. You call me Mambo. Okay, Mambo. I mean, can you sign a few more balls, brother? You know? Jeez. Johnny Pesky used to bring his lawyer with him, the lawyer Earl, and he'd roll the balls and shit. Um, George Scott, Boomer, remember the Boomer? Boomer first George base, Scott. First, first baseman, base. yep, number five. He'd come, in, he'd come in and do the signings. You know, he'd come from Mississippi. He'd have the fucking gun on his Where am I going? Call me Joey. Where am I going, Joey? He was like, George, we're going out there to do a signing, brother. You, you, I don't care, Joey. I don't give a shit. So I'm, I've been a promoter and I promoted a lot of autograph signings, autograph events, meet and greets. I promoted for over a decade. So I want to come back into uh, promoting. I want to open up the RDPW, Real Deal Pro Wrestling, indie, indie organization. And I want to start running these shows and, 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 and see how these indie shows can start going. You know, um, I have access to a ring. I want to purchase my own ring, but, you know, maybe get, get it going with the rental at first straps made um run it kind of like an old school and uh, i'll just be behind the scenes i'm not getting in the ring i'm going to promote book network promote um advertise um i have a lot of connections as you can imagine and um i think it's going to be a good go on top of that um i'm also looking into um starting some uh stand-up comedy on the side and um but with the stand-up comedy bring in um live rock and roll bands to start the show off so a live band will play three four comedians will go up the live band will come back mid and then we'll bring the headliners up at the end so it'll be a stand-up comedy rock and roll show um on a saturday night and then the friday night will be indie pro wrestling the same venue oh that's cool i think being that you uh brought it up here first i think dan and benny in the ring should be the designated podcast of real deal professional wrestling oh you got the name right like that rdp oh yeah 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 uh you guys are involved man uh, Benny, Benny, me and you, Benny, I, I, we like became friends, man, over the last week as a father of the So we can hit each other up, uh, hit each other up on Facebook, or whatever have you. And I know you always got a contact with Dan. Dan. Yes, oh, sir. I, I thought you, I thought you dozed. Oh uh, no, sorry, Mike. Oh. He's got narcolepsy. He's working on it though. <laughs> no, but you know, but we'll stay in contact. Yeah, he's okay. He's doing all right. I know he's got the cat over there. Now, are you gonna be? The you know, question before we say goodnight is. Um, Dan going to be okay after you see my little buddy, my little buddy, my buddy was dancing. <laughs> oh my I'm goodness. Gonna, I, Benny, I, you know, give, me, give me his address. I'll ship him to him. Benny, we, no, no, I, no, would we, do, I wouldn't do that. I like Dan. I wouldn't do that to him. We've, we've never, we've, the show's never had a mascot. I think that changed tonight. We'll have to get, you got to name the thing though. Jeez. I'll have to get in touch with the. I don't even know what that thing is, man. I'll get in touch. What we'll do is we'll 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 put a picture of that on the podcast page. And maybe maybe our uh, our listeners can help name them. Do you need a picture of it, or do you can you get a oh, screenshot? Oh no, we'll, we'll 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 get one. I'll uh <laughs> I'll have to get Dan in touch with. Magic. I'll get in touch with my artist friend who does all our uh, all of our poster work, and and they can add the third. You know, we did the recent work with uh, you, me, and Jimmy Valiant. For for his the uh, BWC shows now now we can do a third piece of art and we'll add that'll be the third face there. I have to say something. One other thing before we say goodnight, and and this is a compliment, Benny. You 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 looked wonderful the whole show. But Dan, for some reason your hair looks neater now than it did when we first. <laughs> I don't know if you're cold when you. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> the, 
that, that brief that brief second I turned away from the camera to sneeze, I quickly uh, I quickly adjusted myself. And you guys like that tat right there? <laughs> you know what oh, that look is? at that. That's I, That's when ICW merged with World Class in Texas. Von Erichs. That's okay. why they do IWCCW. That was uh, Savoli's, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And here's the first ring. The color of the ropes were blue, white, and red. That was the first ring I got in debut IWC. And I fought right there. That's the cage. I fought on the red corner. Can you see the red? The red corner. There you go. That, yeah. And those are the fans on the bottom. Oh, very nice. And, okay. That is nice. Yeah, that's really nice. He, he said, Joel, he says, in all your years, how many fans do you think you had? I said, probably about four. So he put them right there. <laughs> got all four of them. <laughs> Everybody in the same picture. I got four fans. And they're all silhouettes, so they could have ghosted me. They might that's not have real fans. Papered. Hey, you guys are the best, man. Uh, I'm, not gonna, pull, I'm sure. not gonna pull a metal maniac and have you on here for three hours, baby. <laughs> yeah, we, we we had to cut like four hours out of his show and then still break it up into two episodes. <laughs> hey, you know he he tells he tells really great stories though. Hey, you know it's funny. It wasn't even just him. We we laughed. We did the um our hundredth episode special with Ken Patera and we had to plan that well in advance and we made the arrangements and that was specifically to the minute was going to be a one hour show. And it, even, even after some of the edits, it was still well over two hours because yeah. he just story after story, after story, I wasn't going to tell him to stop talking. No, I'm not it was, telling Ken it was great. Yeah. I'm not telling him to stop. Yeah. I mean, he could, he could still rip my arms off and beat me to death with him. So, I, well, hey, man, I, I appreciate what you're saying about that. I respect that, and I respect your time. So, you well, know, uh, I mean, once we get this on, uh, Benny said you get it on sometime after nine. I'll throw it right on the fitness page, man. Let the people listen. Absolutely. I'll, I'll have this uh, uploaded. We, we're usually quick. I'm, I'm good with the edits in the software, and I don't have anything. Uh, Benny didn't tell any jokes. I have to cut out like we usually do, so we were pretty good so, tonight. We're going to have uh, to edit. We're, we're no, still on right now, right? Because I wanted to yeah, say a good night. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I was just getting to our getting to our closing. I was going to give you the last word before we sign off. Okay, so what I wanted to say to both of you guys, and I, I've said this before in my comedy gigs, um, I don't know if either one of you have seen any of my gigs on stage. If you have, great. I really appreciate you taking the time and looking at that. So we'll be doing martial arts. If you haven't, please check it out sometime. But I have um, a neighbor um, who's handicapped, um, and he likes to get special gifts, and I give him gifts. Um, and there's, there was one time I didn't have any gifts for him, but he always said I was a good guy. Oh, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. You're a good guy. So, Dan, you're a good guy. Benny, you're a good guy. Thank you. But you know what he said to me after? Where's my fucking assholes? <laughs> <laughs> I I could think of no no better two words to end on. So, for Real Deal Joel Davis, for the original Long Island Ice B, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Sebastiano. Have a good night, everyone, and we will see you next time we're in the ring. <laughs>